Welcome to the Midlife Pilot Podcast. We are glad you're with us. What is it like to become a pilot in your 40s and 50s? The challenges are unique for those of us in midlife, but so are the rewards. Hosts Ben, Brian, and Ted talk learning to fly, growing as pilots, and the joy of flying to destinations. The purpose of the podcast is not to teach, but to share knowledge and experiences of being a midlife pilot. Join the Midlife Pilot community and listen in every week. We are not CFIs or particularly intelligent, so if you want to learn how to fly, talk to to anyone else other than the hosts of a podcast. Even this intro was too challenging for us and we used a robot to do it. Okay, checklists are complete. Let's get the show started. Welcome to episode 59 of the Midlife Pilot Podcast. It's a show where we talk all things flying in midlife. And we need to come up with a name of our, our uh, announcer because uh, it would be a lot easier to refer to. But as she mentioned, the purpose of this podcast is not to teach just want to share our knowledge and experiences of being a midlife pilot. You know, things like uh, when your son, when your 23-year-old son walks into the door and says, what's up, MFers, while your wife is on a Zoom call? You know, those type of things. It's always fun. So it doesn't matter if you're a student pilot, a seasoned veteran, or even an enthusiast who wants to learn. We're glad you're with us. Today, we're going to be talking about debriefing your flights, and that doesn't mean taking off your briefs. We're going to uh, check in with your feedback taking uh, your questions as you put them in the chat. My name is Ben. I am a commercial rated pilot here in the Atlanta area. I fly Cessna 182, also referred to as a Skyline. As always, we have Mr. Brian Siskin from Music Row in Nashville, flies a Cherokee named Lucy. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing fine, Mr. Ben. Hey, listen, um, we ran that ridiculous AI created intro a couple of episodes ago and i feel like no one even caught it and then now i'm seeing that the world is alive uh with this new realization that we've been taken over uh yeah so this is great i'm super excited and i'm excited about the topic tonight and i'm excited to see all the people in the chat and i really want to uh encourage folks in the chat to help us push this thing along because we've only got you know so many brain cells that's exactly right. Also joining us from the West Coast, frigid West Coast, we have Ted flying a CTLS egg. Ted, you have had uh, been real busy with the YouTube posts. Some hey. great footage you've been putting up. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, it's like uh, three videos in two days or something like that. It's kind of strange to, to do that. And it, it's it's nice to put up some videos. It's nice to go out flying. Uh to be able to fly even during the frigid conditions now that everything is flooding, probably to wait a little while. Awesome. Well, as most of you know, we do broadcast this live on YouTube every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern. You can find us at youtube.com slash at Midlife Pilot Podcast. The live chat is open and it is quite active tonight. We're glad to see that. The audio-only version of this podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Please subscribe. Leave us a review, a five-star review to be more precise. We love feedback and suggestions. You can email us at midlifepilotpodcast at gmail.com. And one last plug, visit the midlifepilotpodcast.com merch store. Uh, there'll be links in the show notes but yeah we'd love for you to uh, check that out you can see if you're watching the uh, youtube video stream also 
I wanted to do this last week, and um, um, Brian pointed it out. I want to recognize there's a few uh, folks in the chat that are relatively new, and we wanted to say, call them out and say hello. Uh, Joel Wittenbach, uh, Cheryl Owell, I hope I'm saying that right, with a Southern accent. Uh, who else did we see in there? Uh, Michael Gillette. And anybody else? Um, Just raise your hand if you're new, you know? Yeah, raise your hand if you're new. But we're, we're glad you're with us. We love uh, watching this part of it grow. And uh, again, keep the comments coming. So you've been up a little bit too. You just were telling us you're dragging your plane out over the ice. Yeah, I, I actually had not been up in about two and a half weeks because we had snowmageddon here um, in Nashville. And it was nice. It was, I don't know, it was one of those flights where you have no real care. You just want to be up there. And I went to go check out a new airport that I hadn't been to. It was Alpha, Alpha Sierra. And I got there and saw that it was still completely iced over and no man had ventured there since uh, all this had hit. So I just did a nice little low approach, did some touring around of the, the lake over there and everything, and then just came back. So anyway, it was super just relaxing and nice and, and um, you know, one of those flights that just reminds you why you work so hard to learn all these things and stay current and proficient and all of that because you just want to be able to relax sometimes. And so being up there and at the end of the day, sun hitting all the, the ice and the snow and everything. It was just, it was great. So, um, but I definitely had problems getting the plane out of the hangar and felt like an absolute Southern loser. <laughs> but if Midwestern, the North would have, uh, really laughed at how much difficulty I had, but I was determined not to get injured. I did not get injured. So everything went well. Um, now, you mentioned uh, that Ted's been putting out these videos. You know, whatever I happen to see scenically on my flight, Ted flies around in this magic promised land of uh, every video that Ted puts out. It looks like, or let me back this up. Back in 1998, I went to LA. I was playing with a band and we were playing a bunch of shows there. And I realized that our hotel was in Studio City. And I, I don't think I'd ever been to LA before at that point. And I realized we were right across from where they taped the prices right. I promise there's a point to this story. And I told the manager of the group, I said, you know, man, this is amazing. I would love to go. He's like, you want to go? I said, yeah. He goes, okay, well, you know, I'll see what I can do. Next morning, I wake up to him knocking on my hotel room door. I look through the peephole. He's holding tickets. I open the door. He's, he says, you guys can go. The price is right. So we go. And this is you know, Bob Barker era. OG price is right. It was the coolest thing to see all the production stuff all behind the scenes. It's not, it's not unlike this show in the sense that really what's going on is you see fancy turning things, but there's just a bunch of guys like pushing a, you know, thing. It's not, they make it seem like everything's kind of happening so robotically and smoothly with all the displays. And there's just dudes pushing stuff around. The main thing though, is whenever they would show the, the big tapestry that was you know, you're going to win a trip to Switzerland or whatever. And they flash to this sort of montage image painting thing with, you know, the, the Alps and the skis and the whatever I, for whatever reason, they just looked like they were huge, uh, tapestries or something. And you realize there's just this little camera over off on the side with an easel with these little, you know, 18 inch, little, <laughs> you know, um, paintings or drawings or whatever. Um, 
And that's what it looks like. This is the longest roundabout way to say that's what Ted's videos remind me of because it, <laughs> it, it, all the scenery is so poetic and amazing and it looks hyper real. It looks like somebody's just holding a uh, an oil and canvas painting or a, an Ansel Adams photograph in front of it's almost like you're doing it all green screen in your hangar and somebody's out there just doing like you know this with their arms. So anyway, uh, I really appreciated the stuff you've been putting out this week and I especially wanted to, as a segue, talk about the video that you put out um, where you had our friend and prior guest, CF Double I, Nathan Ballard, join you. And by the way, Nathan Ballard's channel, go check it out. He, he makes really incredibly well-produced, thoughtful videos, and he actually knows what he's talking about. But Ted, your, your video where you collaborated with him to have him kind of review these high wind, gusty wind landings and give you some feedback and put that into the video. It was so cool. It was the ultimate debrief. Yeah. It's, it's really a amazing magical airport where it's like right at the entrance of the wind tunnel. So no matter what the conditions anywhere else, it's always going to be really windy at that airport. And sure enough, it was like what, 24 gusting 38, you know, crazy, crazy strong winds. And I've gone over there before just to just to play in the winds because they're always straight down the runway. And it's a lot of wind. You gotta know what you're doing to do it. Uh, and that was that was a month ago. And it's like, wh- what's my goal here? I can I can look at this, but how do I debrief this myself? And I asked Nate if he would watch it and debrief it with me. And and so we did. We we hopped on a on a call and kind of walked through it and he'd seen it. And so we walked through kind of the different landings and you know, what about that one where you put power in right before you landed and fell off to the side because of that gust and why do you run a tight pattern there and and that type of thing. So it's typical. It's like bring in somebody much more popular than you and your video looks a lot better. So bring in Nate was was definitely a, a highlight. The other one, the one that you're really talking about was when I went out to the Dalles and flying up the gorge and out to this airport that's covered in snow and everything else. But the funny thing is as I'm editing that video and just doing my normal cuts where I like to cut to myself when I'm talking on the radio. And every time I would cut to myself and show that view, there's always a mountain right off off my shoulder framed out the window as if, yeah, it looked like somebody's just like holding up the the card that has that has the mountain right there. You also and, have a, you have a yeah. really, you have a GoPro 11. Is that right? Yeah, I have a 10, 11 and a 12. Whatever it is, it looks insane. It, they're beautiful. I always film at 4K because I kind of got spoiled and, and realized that I, I like shooting at the higher res. Plus, my plane is all window, right? It's it's like basically flying a fishbowl. So I see a lot of the videos from, from other planes where you've got these really small windows and it's like mine is all glass. Everything about it is glass. You don't have and, ashtrays, though. No ashtrays. Yeah. You're missing out. Well, and we can use that to kind of launch into our discussion about debriefing your flights. And and I, I got to tell you personally, I have not done a good job of that over the years. Um, this topic was brought up to us by uh, one of our supporters and active members on the Discord server, uh, Chris C. Um, asked us to talk about this after had seen a couple of different YouTube videos. And it was a good segue from last week's uh, topic, filming while flying and the purpose of it. One of the initial feedbacks, and I thought, Ted, maybe we could play that now. We got a voice message from um, a longtime show supporter, friend of the show, Wendell Geek, 
uh, sent us some feedback. So, Ted, can we play that now? Yeah, let's do it. One Dell Geek here. I just finished listening to episode 58, which was all about filming flights, and I wanted to give you guys some feedback. I pretty much film all of my flights. The airlines all fly with a black box, and I think of my camera and audio as my black box. And because I do this every time, it's pretty easy for me to just forget that it's there. So much so that there have been times when I've walked away from the airplane with the camera still running. In the end, what I end up with is a lot of information that I can use to do a self-debrief, which I do for every flight. First, if there was some specific thing that I knew I wanted to review, I can skip ahead and look to that. Then I will watch the entire flight and see if there was something that happened that I didn't realize or I just missed. From those two things, I sit down and think a bit and decide what things I want to add to my process so that I could avoid any problems or repeat good things if they did happen. Anyway, I'm a big fan of filming my flights. I'd be interested in any of your suggestions to improve my self-debriefs. Thanks for a great podcast. I think that's probably the most effective way to debrief your flight is to actually have footage it, you know, in the past, I've used Cloud Ahoy. I kept my subscription up into this. I don't know if I'm going to renew it this year or not. Um, I kept it mainly for the commercial rating to kind of review those maneuvers. Um, but I, I decided to switch to a uh, very low-tech version of debriefing my flights. Um, I got this handy-dandy flight journal. And, Whoa. you know, I think it's going to be, I'm, I'm actually excited to take my next flight just to start the process of recording everything. My logbook is just going to say, went here, had this person with me. And if there was something interesting, instrument approach to minimums or something to that effect, that's about all I put in there. I don't have very good handwriting and it's hard to read it anyway. So I plan on using this um, old ancient way of recording your flights by writing it down from memory as, as a debrief tool and something also that I can also remind myself to discuss with the CFI if there was something that that, that I didn't like. I, I plan on looking for something good in each flight, something I can improve on each flight, and you know, just uh, start documenting this. I think um, the first step is making a step right in that direction. Just being cognizant and aware that you can always do more and do better, and I always want to be really mindful to say, first and foremost, we are the furthest thing from instructors or CFIs. There is an art to debriefing and they are taught these, these ways. We are not that. But what we are, are people that have been out there for a bit now at varied lengths of time. And when you get out there, you're not with an instructor all the time. And if you're not in the middle of training for a rating, which a lot of us are not in the middle of training for a rating, it's up to you to manage these things. And so we just like to bring it up because it's something that we each have to be responsible for. And I do think that there's a complacency or a tendency for people, especially those in maybe their first or, you know, first hundred hours after private pilot certification where it's, I don't know, it's almost like you got out of school. And so now you can put your books down and just, you know, not worry about it. I think there's a letdown maybe that I see sometimes people having where there's not a pursuit of excellence in every flight. And I think that if you are in the mindset of constant learning and pursuit of excellence, and everybody will tell you, you know, 
every flight is unique. Every circumstance is unique. There's always some little wrinkle. There's always some little thing that that's why we do it. It's fun. It's interesting. So making notes of those things in any way that you can, whether it's by video documentation, writing it down or anywhere in between is really just the first step, giving yourself the source material to then look at. And of course, getting into your track logs in ForeFlight, exporting KML files to whatever your application of choice is, is a massive benefit. I will say that for me, I'm like you, Ben. I'm not sure if I'm going to renew my Cloud Ahoy this time around. It's not exactly cheap. It's not expensive, but it's not cheap. But um, I really like it. There is also, a, what is it, FlySto, FlySTO? Yep. That is free. It's great. It does about everything that you would really need to be able to break down the telemetry and everything and really study or hone in on data around something that occurred or, or whatever. But for me, I think it's a combination of all the things and it depends on the circumstance. So I can say for sure, I, I filmed most of my lessons. We've talked about that in the last episode about the value of when it's valuable and perhaps safe to film and capture these things. I benefited massively from being able to study my landings, from being able to re-listen to what the CFI was telling me uh, that I could not understand at the time. I think even further, taking that sort of video evidence, which you can also merge into a Cloud Ahoy data set uh, view or Flystow will do the same thing. That To me, like that's the nirvana state of debrief when you have the YouTube video or, or you know offline YouTube, unlisted YouTube video that you marry up to your flight Boy, does that get interesting um, because then you're getting your memory stirred up of the experience that you had and being able to see little things maybe that you did with your hands or I was about to do this and I had stopped or whatever, just little small things. So having the intention and the tools, the right tools for you, I'm not saying everybody should video. I'm not saying you need Cloud Ahoy. You can have a notebook. Just having a commitment to doing it and understanding why I think is really the first step. And then beyond that, I think you can learn a lot about yourself through that kind of analysis. You see your tendencies, you learn what is working and what's not working, or you can go answer questions that are just unanswerable unless you can go back and really put yourself in that position. So I definitely believe in the debrief. The only debrief I've ever done where I just wished that I kind of hadn't was I took the KML file from my check ride, my private pilot check ride, and I put it into Cloud Ahoy. And I could see that I probably shouldn't have passed my check ride. <laughs> but yes, uh, debriefs are about intentionality and a commitment to doing better every flight. And, and to that point, I, at one point in time in my flying career actually videoed my flights and at one point in time in the future I'll probably start back up but I noticed that I was really beating myself up on my landings and then when I watched it on the video I was like what am I complaining about there is absolutely nothing wrong it, it works both ways there are some areas that you can improve that you may not think you need to improve on and the other way around the where you think you need to improve but you're actually doing a pretty good job so that is definitely the value uh, of the video, but putting it down on paper for me, it, it kind of submits it into my head of what I need to do better. And it'll probably be checklist discipline, or if I'm going to pursue a commercial job, then I need to be better at certain aspects of how I, I go about my flights. Uh, I want to mention uh, Mark's 
bit shifters uh, comment. I have a small book. After every flight, I write down what I remember beginning to end. I started when I was having a plateau during my training. And I think that's a, a great example of this. Um, well done. Ted, yeah. you had uh, some feedback for some others? Yeah, uh, this was kind of a, a topic. Thanks, Chrissy, for asking it that kind of went around Discord in the last week. And so there's a lot of feedback from people that I really liked. One of the things I didn't really think about with with the debrief is remembering to go from the beginning to the end of your flight because it's so easy to forget and you're done with a flight. You're like, I remember two things from the flight. And it's even in the the instructor manual of replay, reconstruct, reflect, redirect. Remember what happened during the flight to do that. And obviously it's a lot easier for us with if you actually watch your entire GoPro to do that. Wendell Geek said that the GoPro is our version of the black box in aviation. Totally true. Cheapskate, another Nathan, uh, Cheapskate said um, that when he writes down his his reviews, he doesn't just write fine or tell somebody he did fine. He really wants to have a logbook of the lessons learned. And I, I think that's part of it is it's really easy to be done with a flight. And it's like, well, I logged three landings and yeah, it was fine. And you're done. It's like, that's completely missing the point of of how you should be reviewing a flight. So, yeah. And, and the other one was uh, Evan, who uses a notebook or a journal that takes batteries, I guess. That's a thing. Uh, an iPad. Um, he he does his prepare of it at a debrief of everything that happened during that, including the flight path and a list of mistakes. And on his kneeboard while he's flying, he writes down any errors that he has during the flight. So that's that's a good way of doing it. I I don't want to write down the mistakes that I make during a flight. And it would probably be healthy if I did. I think that what would be great is to see, obviously, we have a Discord. It's a very vibrant, active community of pilot friends, basically, that are helping each other along. What I love about the debrief is it's objectivity and it's reflective nature like you were talking about. And I think that maybe we should uh, even open up a debrief channel where it encourages people to post these, whether they write them down or, or whatever. I would love to see more in the same spirit, Ted, that you were talking about with um, how you'd like to see more boring YouTube videos of just flights, which I'm a hundred percent behind. I think also being able to share debriefs with a supportive group of people for perhaps more insight, not criticism, but insight, I think would be a, would be a great thing. And I think that one of the things that we always come back to, I feel like it's important to remind people why we even have, why does this podcast exist or why does this community exist? I'm not saying it's because of me, but I was one of the people that started it. And the intentionality there was I am alone. I have no pilot peers of any kind. I didn't have anybody online. I didn't have anybody in my area. I didn't have anybody around. And I went through so much of all that. And what really brought me out into the internets and the YouTubes was because that was the only place that I could get any kind of feedback. And since I did get my start posting training video content just for the sake of just posting it, I was able to get a lot of feedback and get a lot of constructive help and they served as kind of public debriefs in a way. So maybe there's something that can be done 
there. The expert mode is what you're doing, Ted, with having a CFI <laughs> debrief it uh, with you while you're watching it together, which is incredible. Uh, it's like a, it's like the, it's like a positive spin on the Zabruder film. Like it's like the opposite of, of, of that. Right. Uh, and, but so articulate and, and, and helpful, but I just wanted to just remind people as to the debriefing with others is a vehicle through which you can continue to form relationships in the community and, and learn more from, from others that might have had a similar experience or, um, have a different, you know, point of view. So I've got to say about Zapruder film, it is even more so that than you think, because in order to do mine, where I have the telemetry in the video, you can get telemetry out of some GoPros, not the Hero 12, but you can get it out of some GoPros and you're like, great, you have ground speed and you have an approximate altitude and all that. It gets worse than that. Say you want to talk about landing with a lot of wind you don't really care about ground speed. So then I go and I download all the data out of my uh, out of the, the flight computer in the plane, out of my Dynon, combine that with the GoPros, sync up the telemetry on all of those, and output it to a video. So it t- that's not something you want to do with every video. It's really hard to know, oh, I did okay on that that landing with a with a lot of headwind, but your ground speed was 38. That doesn't really mean anything. Okay, well, I was actually coming in at 80 with my indicated airspeed. If you really want to spend a lot of time, you can sit there and just just go down this rabbit hole of combining very... all this footage together, writing a little bit of code that splits apart your logs that come out of the dial. Oh, my God. Emailing the guy that does the telemetry software to, to fix <laughs> the bug of how it links those up. Uh, I, you know, just oh, like, my Lord. like normal right. people do. Yeah. Everybody There's be a... careful out there. Don't become Ted. Please. <laughs> Um, for your sake, uh, Cheryl Owell made a comment. I keep notes on my kneeboard as well as where I keep record. And you had mentioned Ted that, that Evan Schaefer does that. I plan on doing that, but I'm going to need a much bigger kneeboard, I think, cause I'm not going to have enough room probably to write all of that down. <laughs> so, um, but I, I think that's a great idea. I do have a short memory. Um, Phoenix cells said something similar. I find I am sometimes unconscious or unaware about some small errors I make and I I'm conscious of making them, but I forget them pretty quickly. So, um, I, I will pl- probably, uh, start doing that is just making commentary. I'm not going to worry about a bad radio call. That's neither here nor there. It's not going to kill anybody, but, um, at least I don't think it will, but, uh, yeah, th- great points, uh, all around. I feel like also it's important just to note that just like anything else, it's something you have to practice. It's something you have to do often. Don't wait for the perfect way to do it. Don't go down the wormhole that Ted's talking about. Otherwise, you might end up in an asylum. Yes. <laughs> um, so even if it's just I'm going to make three notes of commentary about any uncomfortable moments or, or moments of question maybe that I had during this flight or any moment where I felt like I wasn't really on top of things, even just making notes of that and then going back later and, and trying to understand maybe what got you into that situation or understanding the context around it. And then trying to think proactively about what you can do to improve it or, or avoid that or, you know, whatever. I just want people to recognize that it's, it, it's an art, just like anything else. It's a craft that you have to develop. Nobody does it the same. Nobody does it perfectly, but as, I just think that it's an important thing to bring up as far as 
it should be part of the recipe of every flight. Yeah. I even have some, some small things like the thing that I've been trying to improve lately is with one radio, I'll have ground tower and then the frequency that I'm going to get switched to in the air to one more than I have, than I have slots for. And I had been trying to remember that and that was too much. So I was like, okay, there's the first thing to do is start writing this this next step down. So I'm ready to go. And so I've, I've worked on the last couple of flights on just improving that. Michael Gillette was, was talking, he's in medicine and he was talking earlier about what is called the Johari window, which is what some of us of a certain age know of known unknowns, unknown unknowns. So you, you kind of organize how you think about a flight or how you think about what happened in a flight in that way. The, the idea is there, there are things that you can predict that you're going to get wrong. Like I'm going to forget the frequency that I need after I take off. I can write that down there, but there are the things that you can't predict in advance and how are you going to deal with those? And, and so that, that can be a good framework of, of thinking through your, your debrief is could you have predicted this in advance on the things that you couldn't have? How can you deal with this in the future? I have a question for you guys. Do you think that as a pilot, you're doing a lot of problem solving, you're doing a lot of analysis, this whole debriefing thing. Do you find that as you've been enculturated into these types of behaviors, pilot tools and behaviors and rituals, do you see that entering into other aspects of your lives as midlifers, right? As we call ourselves, um, do you, do you see any correlation between maybe how you are leveraging some of those tools to your home environment or your work environment or how you relate to the world in other ways? It does. Um, specifically as a midlifer, if I was taking lessons at 21, I, my goal would be to get through it as quickly as possible and don't stop and do anything. Uh, I've said it before. My motto in high school and college was two Oh and go. <laughs> I wanted to be done with it and, and get away there. By the way, this new debriefing tool that I'm using came from uh, our friend Brian Siskin at his shop. Um, you should go check that out. Uh, Ted will have his website in the show notes. But uh, it's it, and it's another comment that you made uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, about just flying in general. At this point in my life, I am I I want to smell every single rose. I, I want to absorb as much as I can. And I've always been the type of, if I write it down, it stays in my memory longer. So it's the law of primacy exists. I've been flying for six years now and I haven't done this. Other than the one-off uh, flight that I would film or debrief from Cloud Ahoy. But I'm excited to try this new method of, uh, and kind of as a creative avenue for me as well, a creative outlet, uh, so to speak, uh, just to see, you know, what, what spills out of my head, uh, after each flight. What about you, Ted? You know, talking about how we use this in our everyday, there's a, a subset of us. I think there's a few overlapping groups in the midlife community. One of those groups are people in the Midwest way up there. There's also a group of people that are in tech and that overlaps, but it's, it's kind of these, these funny groups of, of people, um, which is strange. It kind of started out of a, uh, a more artistic community, but 
in the in the tech world, we do we tend to postmortems after an incident, after things go wrong. And there's a lot of things in there. There's a thing called five whys, and there's a having a blameless postmortem where the idea is let's go into this and let's not have an ego. Let's let's talk about these issues and let's and how can we solve them? We might get it might even be a great learning opportunity. This isn't just a let's sit in a room and figure out who to blame this on. And that's that's one thing that that can really come into this is okay, use my example. I forget about our frequency as I'm taking off. Why is that? Well, I should be able to remember our frequency. No, but why? Why do you think you should remember it? Is there a better way you can do this? And kind of dig into that. And and instead of saying, well, I seem to remember harder. It's like, no, I just need to be in the habit of writing down frequencies. Things like that is is one of the many ways to approach this, I guess. Yeah. So so thanks, BitShifter, for for reminding us of that. And uh, yeah, Ben, you've got something for us. Yeah, um, it, you just your story there just reminded me, and and I'll have to go back and see if I I think that I wrote this down in my logbook, and then immediately forgot about it. But um, I was coming uh, from South Georgia back home, and uh, it was at night, and I was cleared over the top of the Bravo, going over the top of Hartsfield, and. It, it was late. It was like at 11 o'clock at night and there was a big um, cargo push out of Hartsfield. And I got switched over to the tower controller at Hartsfield instead of Atlanta Tracon because of the time. And man, she was just rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire. And finally comes on and says, November 14, are you with me? And almost like she was yelling at me. I was like, I'm here. I've been trying to get in a word. It, and you know, I thought about that for a week afterwards, thinking, what could I have done different? And I spoke to some people and it was fine. But it's those kind of moments that I've already forgotten about and was only reminded because of you, Ted, that had I had debriefed that in a proper way and put it in a book or whatever, I, I think it would have stuck with me better. Um, and other small mistakes. Um, I know the frequencies in my area very well, but I actually just rotated the knob too far and couldn't understand why uh, air traffic couldn't hear me because I wasn't tuned to their frequency. So it's things like that, that, you know, uh, that I, I want to keep track of. And you, now you can write it down. You can write down, um, note to self when contacting anyone in an airplane using the radio, use the correct frequency. And then you've Shouldn't be a problem anymore after that one. <laughs> I have one of those things that happens sometimes where you you you're not sure if you're insane or if they told you wrong, you know. And um, I was coming into Nashville and they gave me I, I I was on with Fort Campbell approach, which is a little bit of a sort of a northwest diagonal, and they gave me some arrival frequency that I had never even received before. But I was like, Oh, well, that sounds great. And I called them up and the guy was sort of incredulous that I was even directed to. And I actually felt bad because I, I, I didn't, I wasn't trying to explain myself away, but I, I just wanted to say, Hey, well, this is what Fort Campbell told me to do. It was more my way of saying, you might want to talk to them because that's what they're telling people. But, um, but yeah, I mean, generally all this stuff comes down to, the willingness to debrief and to be critical of yourself and invite others to look at what you did or didn't do right comes down to the, um, the, you know, absence of ego and the curtailing of ego and 
you know, I've mentioned this before, but every time I, you know, Ben, when I've flown with you, you know, it's, it's like, Hey, just so you know, um, if you see something you don't like, tell me, I have no ego. I have my own special little pre-flight brief that I give other pilots. And it has to do with, with that, because I, I want as part of the CRM recipe to be, you have the freedom to call me out on anything that is remotely uncomfortable. Or if you see something, say something. And it all goes back to that one guy that scared the crap out of me right after I got my license where I asked him what the most dangerous thing was. And he looked at me and said, a plane full of pilots. So the ego is a huge factor. One one thing I wanted to mention also quickly about these notebooks, these memory logs is I think there's something amazing that we don't capture about a lot of our flights that are seemingly insignificant, but I wanted people to be able to have a journal to write down their thoughts. What did you think about when you're flying all this way by yourself? Or what did you see? Or, you know, what are the, what is the context of notes of your experience? Because you can now correlate some of your memories to data points or whatever later on. But I ultimately just feel like logbooks are not enough. And to have a ritualized a tool that you can use to ritualize the cataloging of memories. That's why we're doing this, everybody, right? I mean, don't forget, that's why we're doing this, especially in midlife. So, um, so yeah. And what was the, we had a Nordo comment. Yeah. Let me, let me pull that up. But uh, a couple of comments here. I think we've all had this experience, but uh, Wendell Geek said uh, he was Nordo at a busy untowered airport recently because of a misdialed frequency. You know, when when you're angry at the other seven pilots in the pattern because they're not using their radio. <laughs> so my my experience of that was I was out in the middle of nowhere and I was here tired of hearing CTAF traffic from a million miles away and I turned down my radio and I forgot for 20 minutes that I turned down the radio and I wondered why everybody was being so quiet. So uh, yeah, Good Grease Landing, our our Canadian pilot, um, has has talked about accidentally sending out calls to tower that happens all the time you're like oops i forgot to switch over to the frequency it it to me that reminds me of like when you're a kid and you accidentally call somebody mom you call your teacher mom (laughs) oh wait i'm still on with tower and those are kind of they're kind of sweet moments because it's usually a student and they're like hey it's okay you're talking to tower you meant to talk to the practice area but you're you're still on frequency with us maybe that'll be the new see ya Thank Daddy. Bye, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Arrow Grizzly, uh, Mike, one of our SoCal people, uh, if you see another plane in the pattern and get mad because they're not making radio calls, check your radio volume and frequency. Oof. Yeah. Been there. I wanted to bring up uh, Michael Gillette's comment and um, because I did have a, a situation like this and, and I wanted to speak to it uh, to kind of close out this. Michael says, sometimes a near bad, bad happens and it freaks you out and you want to change everything. So it never happens again. How do people deal with that fear and the debris? Well, um, I'll tell you this. Uh, I was with my wife, uh, flying to Griffin and just had a really nasty crosswind gust lift up my wing. I went up on two wheels, went to the edge of the runway and it did scare me pretty bad. I got out of the plane. I was shaking pretty good. The way I dealt with it, though, in that debrief was is I let it sink in for 24 hours. I wasn't trying to hide it. I just wanted the opportunity to process what happened and think it over and over and over again. And then I talked to my CFI. And then I talked to my partner, my brother-in-law. 
I talked to multiple people is the point. And just to get their thoughts of, you know, how do you recover from a bad, bad situation like that? No props were bent. Everything was fine, but it did shake me up a little bit. And, and I, again, I think you give yourself some time to process it. And then a lot of us have flying mentors, CFIs, whoever, you know, just talk it out with them. And, you know, you might hear, well, do this next time, or you did everything you could, whatever the case may be, you, you do need to own it. What I like to say is I like to mourn the bad situation, process it, and then figure out what to do better next time. I think the psychology of those sort of micro traumas or whatever, it's a very healthy thing to try to find a healthy way to deal with. I, I love your thought about giving it 24 hours. You're not in the airplane anymore. Nothing's going to change what happened. Giving yourself some time. I, I think we all, and we've talked about this several times, but we all beat ourselves up when we were learning badly. And it was meant well in the sense that we were being critical of ourselves and we wanted to do better, but it probably had a negating effect overall. And that's what our CFIs are trained in doing <laughs> is recognizing the types of people that we are and what our psychological you know, tendencies are and states of mind and, and working us out of those things. And it, it's funny. I think about all the times that I can even go back sometimes and watch some of these old training videos and, now that I'm so much more experienced, I can go back and then watch them and I see what my CFI was doing in a completely different light. It's almost like becoming your parents' age when they had you or something, you know, and you can start to see why they were doing things the way that they are or, you know, why did they, oh yeah, specifically it's those moments where, where, where we all had this, where, where the CFI goes, um, all right, so, uh, my controls you know, just sort of like right in the middle of the flight, they're just giving you a break and letting you desaturate, or I'm just going to demo this for you. You know, I love, I love, I love being able to see those things, but the psychology of it is definitely helped by addressing it. And there's not a, a rush to do that. So I, I love that point. Yeah. And another thing that I think can be documented more in our logs of experience memories, debriefs is weather and what we specifically expected out of the weather and what we got out of the weather and how we dealt with that or what decisions that we made, what we saw, what we did, what ATC decided that we needed to do. How did that turn out? Really correlating the effect of weather, especially on a longer cross-country flight, to, to really be able to go back and watch the chain of weather decisions and things that you had to make. Because after a while, that stuff can get fuzzy on a long flight because you've had to make so many changes to your, your route or altitudes or freestyling it around, you know, some cloud that looks like Ted. And also I wanted to talk about specifically right there on the screen, AeroSafe. Very cool channel that uh, I recently discovered. And what I love about it is the the niche that it fills. I love it when people have a simple idea that just hits right on the spot in the perfect spot. And Erisafe, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Um, Erica, CFII, 
has a great brand new channel that a lot of people should be paying attention to and supporting. And we'll have the link in the show notes. But what I love is that she's just breaking down the weather from the high level down and from the perspective of what most of us are, you know, single engine piston, non ficky you know, people that really want to avoid ice and things like that. So I watched everything, every video that she has, I've already watched because I could feel my weather knowledge kind of coming back to life a little bit that I feel like I didn't realize had had atrophied a little bit. So um, very cool to have you in the chat and to uh, have your, your channel. Please keep doing what you're doing. And I encourage everybody to go check it out because I don't, I don't know that any, I haven't seen any other YouTube channel that's doing this and it seems like such a simple thing, but what do you guys think? I um, started to watch it. You had mentioned it earlier today. So uh, I have not seen any of her videos. We're glad her here. I did also want to do, give a quick shout out to a couple of other newer folks in the chat. I missed earlier uh, Colby Ruffing, who I've met in person. Great, awesome guy out in Lawrenceville. And Go Grease Landing, uh, relatively new, our first Canadian midlife pilot here. So, um, so yeah, that's it. There's there's one other topic that I do want to cover uh, just for uh, as a public service announcement, the Nashville fly-in. Oh, uh, I want what? everybody out I there to heard know. About um, <laughs> unfortunately, the midlife pilot compound is fully booked. Sold out. And we even added another house. We added a second house. Uh, we, a fourth house. Yeah, fourth house. We have. Um, so stop sending me money because um, I'm going to just send it right back to you. The grift is over. The grift is over. Um, but we we still have a lot of people saying that they're interested. This is really growing a lot larger than I thought it was going to be. I'm super excited about it. So. We, we've got uh, on the website, which will be uh, in the show notes for the fly-in specifically, um, we've got hotel recommendations, a general location of where we'll be. So if you want to get your own Airbnb, um, yeah, the more the merrier. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of people that are flying in commercial from far, far away lands. Uh, Ted is coming from um, a place where... As far as I know, it's just Fred Armisen, um, <laughs> you know, in various costumes. I don't, I don't really. Um, and we've got people coming in absolutely from everywhere. It's been a really cool thing because we've had these sort of impromptu gatherings over the last couple of years. And it keeps sort of taking on a different level. But this is just wild. And it's going to be an absolute great time. It, whether you fly commercial, whether you drive, whether you fly your own plane, we're going to be going on flying adventures. Uh, we're going to be hanging out, which is always the best part. And um, I don't know, Ted, do you do magic tricks? I don't know. What else can we do? Yeah. You know, I, I think that we're a little surprised here on, on we're still trying to wrap our, our head around how many people and what are we going to do here? So when, when is this? This is uh, April 26th through 28th. Uh, end of April in Nashville. There's going to be people here Thursday night and we'll be already starting. And then probably some people going out and doing flying adventures and impromptu ad hoc on Friday as people come in to arrive in the afternoon. And then uh, we're going to do another hang Friday night. And then Saturday, yes, is the big day. And then the, uh, what do you call it? The, the prom or 
the, yeah, the, the formal dance. And, you know, the website will be in the doobly-doo, but th- there are some suggested locations, some things you can do on Saturday if you're flying, some places to go. We have definitely have some recommendations, but the, the idea is do whatever you want for a few reasons. Number one is we're not responsible for your flying. <laughs> you, you may have choices on what you want to do, and there are going to be too many people possibly to organize this whole thing. So there's some great places you can go, but we decided to call it Choose Your Own Adventure because come together uh, Friday, talk about what you want to do, find some other people, probably go in groups to, to different places. If you haven't been, go to Tahoma. There's plenty of place to park. The museum Tullahoma. there is worth seeing. Yeah, Tahoma is amazing. Beechcraft Museum, you can look it up online. Also, um, I think what I, I think what I'm going to be doing, I think I'm going to be going to Sykeston to go to Lambert's because I just I really yes. love that I really love that flight, and I also love Lambert's. I love the idea that you can just land in this little airport that's in a town of sixteen thousand people, but the van will come and pick you up in within three minutes, and they will take you right to the restaurant, walk you right to the front of the line. And then you get to eat it. Um, what did I call it? Like Cracker Barrel on acid. It's like, <laughs> it's just madness. The, the amount of food, it's very good. It's very fun. And I, I really like the flight because it takes you over a lot of the rolling hills to begin with, but you get to really see how the terrain changes going due west of here. And then you um, uh, you cross the Mississippi River and then it's just like you're in another world. It's completely flat. It's, it's really interesting. And then also... Um, that's the other reason behind the choose your own adventure mentality is if you just came in that way from the West, we want you to be able to go somewhere different and not have to fly right back to where you just came from. Also, our experience yeah. has always been the most fun thing to do is get into other people's airplanes. Um, so do that, mix it up, learn about different things, have different experiences. And, um, you know, there's always time. The most fun is had flying with others. And that's what I'm looking forward to. My goal this time, goals are to fly with others, hopefully get some throat rolls. Those are those are the two things that I didn't get to do last time that I'm looking forward to. Throat that's rolls. Why I'm out commercial. So awesome. I plan on doing some flying, but I would like to fly with others and I do want to catch a, a roll as well. So uh let's let that be the last word. We're running a little bit long. And so for those of you watching, we appreciate you, the uh, commenters on YouTube. Thank you very much for all the great comments and questions and points being made. Again, you can catch us Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern on youtube.com slash at Midlife Pilot Podcast. And don't forget to send us your feedback at the email address is midlifepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Signing off episode 59 of the Midlife Pilot Podcast. Good night, everybody.